0: Stephanie Buston-Nass, mm. and Cole Castile. Thought I'd change it up a little oh, bit. Oh, I
1: like it. I like it, yeah. I like it Luke. Yeah.
0: We've got a big show on tap. We have two of the most prestigious, longest-running events on the Big Dollar Bracket Race schedule that happened last weekend. We're going to talk about those. And then we've got a third event that paid more than either one of them. We're bracket race heavy this week. Big Bucks bracket on the docket. we got a lot to talk about
1: we got a lot to talk about Luke as you said um it's not a whole lot of events but there was a lot within those events that are noteworthy and and definitely um an opportunity for us to to have some great discussion on the show um but it's the first day of school here where I am same and, and uh that's that is dominating things right now um we need for for our show we need like pictures of us like on our whatever you know 288th day of of podcasting or whatever and talk about you know what kind of sandwich we like and have you been seeing all this on social media I love this first day of school stuff you know my 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 little girl she's just super excited and talking about how she wants to be a singer and all those things y'all do those does Bogacki home you do those first day of school picture things (laughs)
0: typically, yes, we today would have been Gary's first day of school we're homeschooling again but yeah we we, we will do that certainly right and, and yeah, just like you I love them and we should to your point um first day of season five sportsman drag racing podcast hold up the banner. yeah Please.
1: I agree I agree but I say that to say this is episode number 288. my goodness, whoever would have dreamed we would have 288 episodes of this sportsman drag racing podcast, but it's good stuff. And just like this week, we, we get an opportunity to highlight a lot of great performances and a lot of amazing longstanding events. It's what the show's all about. So while it's going to be just a tick short or a tick shorter than normal, it's going to be full of great stuff. So look, look forward to having everybody tune in. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: From Michigan to Idaho to O H I O all that and more, but first, BJ North.
1: what you've been waiting for. This that moment to go green, hit the tree,
0: and Big Jet. a week ago we were NHRA heavy. This week it is the opposite. We've got big dollar bracket racing from across the country, a couple of the most prestigious events in the land. I say we start at can you cut, I mean, we, we refer to the OG million all the time. Can, can mid-Michigan's world super pro challenge, can it be the OG 50?
1: You're dang right. It can. And it, because it is Luke, it is the OG 50. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a legendary event on the schedule for, for many people, you know, they're going to go here no matter what's happening. There was a lot happening on the bracket scene this weekend, but, you know stanton is stanton and people are going to be there it's the world super pro challenge by todd's extreme and uh you know it looks like it was another great show Luke. this this event this, how old is it I, I put you on the spot there a little bit but i think it's
0: 28 20 i believe this year was 29 i think next yeah. year will be the 30th anniversary and i i don't think it's hyperbole i i would i would nothing else is coming to mind. I think that's got to be the longest consecutive running big dollar bracket race in the, in the land. Is that fair?
1: I would say it is fair and, and, and accurate. Um, definitely, a, a, again, uh, an event that has a ton of history and a lot of, uh, a lot of people from around the country have gone there to compete in, you know, especially back in the days when it was the only 50 but um you know this looks like kind of a local domination this uh, past weekend there at the world super pro challenge so uh, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit but 270 plus entries luke with you know other races on the schedule within reason of their big races on the schedule i think that's pretty darn impressive
0: I thought the same. Uh, we had mentioned a little bit a week ago that, you know, how is this going to work with uh, the OG 50 going up against the the TV promotions race at, at Killcare, like five hours away in a difficult economy. And, and like, it looks like both races did just fine, right? <laughs> 270 plus at Michigan. My, I didn't see a, an exact number from Killcare, but my impression was that it was, it was strong as well. I'm sure either event would have done better if they weren't on the same weekend, but, they both did fine. Right. Um, And it's um it's to your point, local domination. And that's kind of to some extent, like always been a bit of the flavor from the world super pro challenge. Like even in the day when it was one of the, you know, the only at, at, at one point in history, or certainly one of you know, in my day, the three or four you know largest paying events of the season that would that would draw all of the the quote unquote hitters, and there have been hitters that have won that event, right? I mean, you go down the the winners list. It's one of those unique events. It was just last season at the twenty eighth annual was the first time that there was a repeat winner in the fifty. It was Aaron McCullough, right? No, no one else had had repeated. And even at that point, like there were some big names that have won it over the years, like John LaBoost Junior., Jason Lynch. Champs won it. Gary Williams has won it. Uh, Richardson, Lane Dickin, uh, the list goes on Strickland, AJ, like there's the usual suspects, right. But more than probably any other big event of that nature, like you look down the winner's list and there's a lot of names that the average racer wouldn't even recognize, right. Much less that would jump to mind as somebody that's going to win one of the most prestigious races. Like there's always been a bit of a local flavor, like, I don't want to say underdog, but it's not always been the household names that have won that event, which I think has added to the intrigue of it over the years.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Luke. Uh, You know, this this race, uh, while having been won so many times by a, what we would consider a non-household name, it's also put some people on the map when they've won it and they've gone on to to be household names after uh, kicking the door open. The one that comes to mind for me is Hamilton. Was it Richard Hamilton uh, that won this race deep staging
0: mccullough it. won it the first time deep staging
1: okay mccullough won deep staging uh hamilton i think william went, hamilton
0: won it years ago william hamilton one
1: early ones yeah mm-hmm. william hamilton yeah i remember that uh, so. and
0: even some of the the big names that i mentioned like I, I said jeff strickland's won this race he won the first one he was like 12 i mean literally he was probably 18 it was a long time ago right it was before jeff strickland yeah. was jeff strickland
1: yeah good stuff uh, i know uh you know the guys have gone from here up that way many a times. Uh, I guess Ricky Jones has won it. Um, what's the closest you've ever come, Luke?
0: Not close. And I've been a bunch. I got uh, <laughs> I got to maybe six, seven cars one year. And um, I, yeah, my my. <laughs> we're going to go down a rabbit hole here because you asked for a story. But yeah, I uh, I went like eight above to give it back a thou or two in like the quarters. And was, I, I didn't get out of my car for like 15 minutes. It was a throw up in your mouth moment, you know, because at that time, well, even today it is 50 grand or it was nothing to scoff at. But at that time, like that's probably the closest I'd ever been to money like that. And uh, yeah, it was not a good ending. <laughs> that's, yeah, no. that's the only time I remember getting close. I went through a stage where it used to pay five grand to win on Thursday. And I was in the Thursday final against all the same knuckleheads, like three or four years in a row. Couldn't get out of third round in the 50. But I could win that Thursday five grand. <laughs> yeah that would be pretty
1: hard to take uh the the 08 above to be a, probably a few
0: thousand behind it was not one of my finer moments yeah been there um anyway we, we're very in the lead uh, what we were getting at was it's not always the household name and this year more of the same right but uh, this is a heck of a story big jed the winner for the first time in og 50 history it was off the bottom. How about my man, Tom Artakis, in the 50, which actually got combined with what was to be the Sunday five grander. So it was $55,000 to win the main event this season. So he essentially won the Saturday and Sunday purse on the heels of winning the $10,000 event Thursday. Yes, Tom Artakis off the bottom in a gorgeous barracuda nearly ran the table at one of the biggest events of the season.
1: Yeah, Luke, very impressive. Um, as we've discussed off the off air, you know that the bottom bulb racing up there is typically trans brake assisted. Uh, tons of those no box racers up there is kind of where the the class no box come from that part of the country, and uh, obviously Tom Artakis took his trans brake in his beautiful late '60s Barracuda and just dominated I mean the man won the 55 grander and the 10 grander on Thursday to start the the week up there incredible performance in a in a sea of talent you know it's not like Tom worked his way through some podunk crowd Uh, the bottom bulb racers in that area are very challenging to beat as you've uh, discussed a couple of times uh, and prior to the show and then to go out and and enter the the side where they uh, will be using delay boxes and continue to turn on wind lights until you get the last one twice in that weekend very 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 impressive and uh, and Tom should be commended for that that that's a that's a dream weekend Luke.
0: no question um and just to to validate your point like i don't i think i talked about this on the podcast but two, three years ago, the last time I went to the the OG 50, I got the bright idea. I, I just recently got my Vega done and I'm like, oh, you know, I got a good bottom bulb car again. I'll, I'll run one entry off the bottom at the, World Super, at the World Super Pro Challenge. And if you'll notice, like, I don't really do that anymore. One weekend was enough. Those <laughs> guys, that bottom bulb crowd up there was, I didn't know a handful of racers in that field that year. I knew Nick Hastings. I never ran Nick Hastings. And the worst package that beat me in four days was like 10 total. Like, I don't want to mess with those guys. And it's the same crowd that Tom just ran. Tom Artakis Jr. just ran over for three days in sand. So really impressive stuff.
1: Yeah, as you said, very impressive to, to get through the field and, and come out on the no-box side and finish it off two days. Uh, but there, there was another winner, Luke, that was not named. Tom Artakis. I know that's hard to believe. By the way, he defeated uh, Skylar Drews in that $55,000 final. So Skylar should be commended as well for making it to the final round. I I, I w- could only assume Skylar was hitting the top. So come up short to the no boxer there, but still a, a really good day for
0: him. Yeah. The the non Tom Artakis Jr. winner was our friend from up north, the Canadian, Brandon Barker, Mr. Bracket Life himself coming down, knocking down 10 grand.
1: Yeah, big day for Brandon and, and the Bracket Life brand, which is getting a lot of traction. So happy for for Brandon to get that win. That's a that's a big stage, and uh, not that the Canadians don't get to race their own big stages within their their country's borders, but
0: uh, there is a yeah. lot of money floating around in bracket racing up up north of the border. I, I have noticed that. You're right.
1: Yeah, they're 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 getting to race some good races for sure. But I think it's an extra big deal when you come to the States cross the border and come to the States and win on a stage like the world super pro challenge provides. So a uh, huge deal for Brandon, really happy for him and the, the bracket life brand that, uh, that he's promoting and and the opportunity to, to obviously get that some more traction, but, you know, put some freaking money in your pocket to, to, to go back across the border. That's, it's got to feel real good to take those Americans back with you.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Brandon Barker gets that Friday night, $10,000 win over uh, Mike Bonebright. And that was a nasty final. Brandon was nine looked like dropped to dead on nine. Meanwhile, in the opposite lane, Bonebright uh, two and thigh under and both in like what by today's standards are slower dragsters. I want to say that Barker was dialed like 499, Bone Bright dialed 502. And that was a bit of a theme for the weekend from across all across the country, all of these big dollar bracket races that we'll talk about. We had a lot of door car winner winners. And for the most part, the dragsters that did win weren't your typical like 480 or 440, 450 cars. They were slower dragsters. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to that. I don't know if the summer heat plays into that, but I, it stood out to me how many... "Quote unquote," slower cars had success at these big events across the country throughout the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a little um, untraditional these days uh, for for those cars to to be winning the races, but good for them. Like to see that, and I like to see anybody named Bone Bright make a final round. And let's get to talk about them because that's a top ten name. I mean, anytime you got Bone in your name, like you know, like Steve Boner you you should get talked about so bone bright those are two great words put them together um top 10 name for sure so
0: bone bright he was he was at byron when i was up there this year so i should have been paying more attention i think he's got more of a traditional setup these days but years ago i remember mike bone bright at that particular race at stanton in a it might be the same car that he owns today. It was similar. He's probably a 480, 490 dragster, and he would drive around the water, give it a dry heave, and stage. Oh. I don't know if that's still the mo, but that is the way he used to roll.
1: Oh my goodness! If that's still going on, that is even more gooder. That is much more gooder. I would somebody <laughs> confirm for us if Mr. Bone bright is just a dry hop and go, or if he gets smoke off the tires. So really like to know the answer to that all in all the the Ledford family loop just continues to to put on a legendary event uh these guys you know 29 years strong what can you say uh they they are committed to obviously their their world super pro challenge brand and even in the midst of Uh, huge purses that are available to bracket racers today. Not that $50,000 isn't monster because it is, but they've stayed true to what their event is and what it always has been for 29 years. And it's still a must do for the bracket racers, certainly in the area, but from around the country. So good for the, the Ledford family. Really happy to see them have another wonderful show up there.
0: Dude, that race is so much fun. Like, I, I can't speak to this season. I wasn't there, but the the atmosphere there, I was actually talking about this with some friends this weekend and, and the Ledfords, I think are a prime example. Like it is so refreshing to go to an event or a racetrack that is either, uh, um, hosted by or owned by racers because it's just a whole different vibe and that is 100% what you get when you roll through the gates up there at the Michigan Motorplex. I do have a uh, an impromptu trivia time for you Big Jed. Oh, I love these. So, Tom Artecas Jr. with his win again of the the combined purse 50 grander. He's actually he knocks down the 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 World Super Pro Challenge 55K, which I might be speaking out of turn and in, in, in 29 years. There might be another uh, example of purses getting combined, but I, I don't recall that specifically. So I'm going to say that Tom Artakis Jr. takes the biggest check from Mid Michigan Motorplex and specifically this event ever, with the exception of one man who got paid more for winning this event than Tom Artakis Jr.
1: Oh, you know, I don't really know um, all of the winners of this event, but I don't know. I'm going to say Ed Nemec.
0: Sorry, I muted myself. I was trying to look something up just to verify the year. Nemic has won this event. He yes, got 50. He there was a year. I'm trying to verify the year. I'm going to pull up one of the flyers. I'm going to guess blindly, and I'm probably wrong. I'll say 2002, this race paid a hundred grand one year. They tried it one time. Matt Driscoll made what I think was his only appearance at this event and ran the table. Like, I believe that he won the Friday race. He won the hundred grander and then left, like didn't even race Sunday. Like why, why put that perfect record at risk (laughs) and has never been back. I believe I am 99% sure that's true because I remember asking Matt at one point, like, Hey, when are you going to go back to Stanton? Like they run that 50 every year. And like, I don't think you ever lost there. And he's like, why would I go back? Like, it's not like, like it can get any better. Never been back.
1: You know, that's kind of a good point that he's making. <laughs> um, you know, Kind of take the John Elway approach, just win it all and go out, you know, give it up. But uh, that, you said paid a hundred grand one year. So that would have to be some kind of anniversary. And if it was 2002 ish, you know, that was probably right around the 10 year anniversary of the event. So I was that was way off. It was way
0: off. Driscoll did win 100 grand,
1: 1998. 98. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You missed that by a whole four years.
0: I mean, think about that. That was the, that was the fifth year of the event. Think about paying hundred grand to win guaranteed in nineteen ninety eight.
1: Wow, that I mean, I guess, is
0: huge. Yeah, right. Was it the first million was that same year? No, ninety seven. Right,
1: ninety six. I think
0: ninety six. Okay, so so it wasn't unprecedented, but it wasn't normal.
1: No, absolutely. Well, that's a that's great trivia. I can't believe I missed it. I'm so good at trivia.
0: <laughs> you do have a really good track.
1: First miss I've had in a while.
0: <laughs> all right, let's let's cross the country to another long-standing in fact, I might have, I might have just disproven myself. Another long-standing, very prestigious uh consecutive running event. I I I absolutely trumped no, myself on this.
1: No, no, you didn't because you said bracket race and that's well, all that Stanton is.
0: The night Fires is the biggest bracket race in the in the northwest like yeah, but they I, also
1: I, got like funny cars i know it's, you know, it's a jet truck so yeah. yeah yeah so they each, each are in their own uh on arena
0: they, that's true i think they're separate but boise's nightfire nationals i i did read in the write-up 51 consecutive years of that's this incredible. event going on so th- th- i think it's fair to say the two longest running arguably most prestigious um you know, long running bracket events in the nation occur on the same weekend, uh, i national 51 years, Jed, that goes back to the early seventies. That's before yeah, big course. dollar bracket racing was a thing. Maybe, maybe the, the bracket racing portion hasn't always been a part of night fire. Cause it seems like that's way before the time of having, you know, bracket races worth going to, but what do I know? I wasn't even born.
1: Luke, it just so happens that I've had birthdays for 51 consecutive years. And uh, I was born in 1971, so your your time frame is absolutely perfect. Uh, it is the early that. 70s, <laughs> the very early 70s. I mean, this event's been running as long as I've been alive. That is incredible, incredible. And it is it's bucket list for me. I've always said I want to go to the night fires in Boise and and compete and just see that whole, uh, spectacle and, and, and all the things that they do, it it just seems like an incredible event that, that is fun to watch and participate in, which is fairly rare in what we get to go do, um, on a regular basis, you know, that they're not much fun to watch what we do, but it is fun to participate. I I think I would enjoy this one immensely. And, um, if I ever make it out there, somebody has got to at least let me get in the tower and, and like, call a lap or two and that'll just completely take care of uh,
0: that bucket
1: list item for me because this is a this is a legendary event as well Luke.
0: same I have I have no desire to to get in the tower behind the microphone but yes to to compete or at least be on the grounds for night fires it's one of those things I think I've I've, I've told you this story at some point before but 12 year old Luke right like I had. I had this practice tree that was on my computer, like the old MS-DOS setup, and the the lights were literally asterisks, like I'm showing my age, like they would would light up on the screen asterisks, and you'd let go of the alt button, you'd let go of the alt button for the full tree, (laughs) and you'd let go of the control button for the pro tree, I do remember that, right? Oh my goodness. I made thousands, thousands uh, of laps on this thing, Right. And to the point, it got to the point where it was not useful practice whatsoever because there was zero stagger to like the auto start or whatever. So after about 50 hits, you could close your eyes, press alt and B double O or five O at that time, right? You didn't, you just, you just got in a rhythm with it. It was the same. Like there was zero variance, but I would, I I had this, this game. It was amazing, right? I bet I had 500 index cards that had a racer's name on the front. 10 reaction times on the back, and I would go in order. I'd pull one out. That's my first-round opponent, right? Well, I would run seasons, but my but my traveling season, once I felt like I got good enough, once I leveled up, right, my traveling season would take me on the Western swing, running Super Comp, and when I got done at Seattle, I would hit the Nightfire Nationals at Boise on my way back to the East Coast or whatever. Like, I had it all laid out. But there was always a stop at Firebird, so that's going back thirty years, right? That it's always been to your point a bucket list item, and I had never made it out there yet. But just like you, like I, I I'm going to do that someday.
1: Yeah, I hope to do that as well. That's an incredible story, by the way. Um, just the whole, <laughs> the whole, the imagination that it took at at twelve years old to to See, compete in a season with your, you know, with your computer.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I won multiple world championships, multiple, <laughs> but you would take you would take the keyboard. Now, keep in mind, this is back in the day, like the keyboard still had cords, right? But you, oh, would, you would set it up long ways in your lap so that the alt button was on your right hand about the steering wheel. The keyboard's on your lap, resting against the desk. Bam! Wrecking it. That
1: <laughs> right. sound like you were pretty successful even before you, you really got into a big car. So couldn't get no deep. surprise. <laughs> couldn't lose <laughs> all
0: right so back to Nightfire nationals circa 2022 and th- this one actually comes with a great story because i just assumed coming into this the story is race kid and first off race kid's story is worth telling but race kid wasn't the story race kid in the two biggest events in that region like let's just take division six as a whole like the great northwest the two biggest bracket events in that region are obviously the night fire nationals at Boise. And now the, the I believe it's that they call it the night under fire. Maybe it's their night fire. I think it's night under fire at Woodburn. That race happened two weeks ago, I believe. And there, race kid nearly ran the table. Cooper Chun won a day and race, I believe won, uh, won one of the five granders and a gambler's race, like put on a show fast forward two weeks to the other big event in that part of the country race kid Wednesday one, right? $10,000 winner at Boise home track big deal. Then comes back around his, his buddy, another young man that, that grew up at Boise by the name of Jason Thomas, he wins the Saturday 10 K. So those two are, are essentially tied atop the weekend points and winning the weekend points at Nightfire, Like that's always been a big deal. I read, I remember reading about that when I was 12, right? Those two then are neck and neck for the, the, the super pro, I believe they call it bracketeer points championship going into the last day. And they both advance through the field to meet in the final with not only $10,000 on the line, but also the weekend points championship. And it's Jason Thomas that gets the better of race kid. Jason Thomas wins back to back 10 granders wins the, the bracketeer points championship. And as if it could get any better on the same day, his mother won the no box class. Jason Thomas's mother, Lisa won no box. Like if that's not a story tale day, I don't know what is. Yeah, what an awesome story,
1: you know, obviously two very good friends, uh, two talented racers battling it out, and they get to the the final round where the the money is the money, I'm sure that was a big deal, but the championship, I'm sure, meant a lot to, to both of them, uh, because of what the event means to the racers in that part of the country, so a huge win there for Jason Thomas, uh, obviously race kid, had an amazing weekend as well, and um you know prior to that at the at the Woodburn event but um big deal for Jason when you collect a couple of ten thousand dollar paydays and get the championship but Luke I don't know if any of that is as good as your mama winning no box
0: right?
1: I mean yeah hey Jason man that's a good weekend yeah it was a good weekend uh you know I I, I won a couple of ten granders one when- championship beat race kid there in the final 18 dead zeros big deal but man did you see my mama my mama won no box on sunday i mean that's that's the story bro and no offense Jason but your mama won no box at the night fires that's a huge deal that that's i mean that's a weekend that family will never ever ever forget and uh, good for them that's a that's a great great story
0: 100 percent so we had Stanton, we had Boise, the the two prestigious, long running events, and yet they weren't the richest event of the weekend. Like I guess you'd call the the TB Promotions guys the upstart among that bunch. Although any other event, like the Million Dollar Race, is the upstart among that. But like the Moroso Five Day is the upstart among that bunch, right? <laughs> the TB Promotions gang went to Killcare, put on a hundred thousand dollar to win guaranteed main event, sixty four car field, I believe uh, in, in conjunction with a trio of 25 granders. So the, the biggest purses are actually happening in the state of Ohio. And the biggest winner was a name that I think we're all familiar with. How about Dave Connolly knocking down the $100,000 main event, getting that final round win over JP Schuster.
1: Yeah. Huge deal for DC. Obviously he is, uh, he has, accomplished a ton in drag racing, even on the pro level with pro stock wins and all that he accomplished there when he was able to do that. Still part of pro stock racing as a, as a crew chief, uh, you know, a guy that's calling the shots and working in the shop and helping create horsepower and then transferring it to the racetrack. But, you know, he just doesn't get to get out a ton in his own racing uh, program. When he does, he always is very competitive, and uh, and Dave getting it done for a hundred grand there is a huge deal for him. Uh, great to see him take the Chevy twice wagon and and make that happen. Uh, you know, obviously has one child with Jenny Folk, uh, just recently married, got another child on the way. Gets a win over an All Star in J.P. Schuster in the same car that Tyler Bohannon won the um, guaranteed million in. Uh, last fall, in, uh, at Capital City Motorsports Park, so just a huge day for Dave. He was very excited. I, I sent him a text and uh, and congratulated him. He was really excited about it, and um, and a well deserved win. Obviously, we know Dave's been through some stuff in uh, in his racing career, and uh, it's good to see him uh, get back on top and and show the world that uh, that he's a great and talented racer and very competitive today even though his opportunities are somewhat
0: limited no dave connolly is you just watch him in a race car like I, I i don't i hate to to belittle the the work that goes into being that good but i look at dave as a as a quote unquote natural like that dude can just get in anything and look like it's complete second nature like look at home i actually it's kind of ironic like the one racer that i can think of that i would Compare him to in that regard is actually one of his best friends and Jeff Strickland. Like, Strick makes everything look easy, right? <clears throat> Dave's very much the same way from pro stock to dragsters to door cars to super classes to he ran super stock at one point. Like, whatever he gets in, he seems to excel. And just to your point, for as little as he gets to race at, at quote unquote our level these days, he's Always deep. That that Chevy two wagon this season. I think he's been in a couple of ten thousand dollar to win finals down at Bradenton. Uh, he made his way up to the SFG five hundred and and didn't win a day. I don't believe, but was deep every day. Right and just uh, and then to to cap that off here with the, the hundred thousand dollar victory. Um, no surprise, but at the same time, like for someone that gets to to race at this level, maybe a half dozen times a year, to continue showing up and and roll into final round or deep rounds with the, on, on the biggest stages that we have to offer. It, it just speaks to that immense talent and obviously the work that he puts in as well.
1: Yeah, very well said. And that was a great comparison between he and Strick. Both of those guys are, are, their mind is able to slow the the race car down and and see things and, and think about things at a very fast pace while still processing it at a normal pace. It's really impressive what they're able to do. You know, I'm, I talked to those guys and they go fast you know they've got some fast stuff obviously strict does you hear him talk about a pass that was you know like four flat in the eighth and like yeah you know when I let go I didn't really think I got it and then car left and I thought well it left good and I really think I can you know go a couple under like I'm planning to do and I wasn't catching him like I thought I should so I thought if I do catch him I'm going to set it down kind of late and quick and you know it's like it takes them a minute to tell you about a four second run and that really all that stuff really happened in their head because they just process it so well and and slow the race down in their head and that's the kind of guy dave Connolly is and certainly Strick as well but luke that again huge deal and congratulations to dc and jp but um the, the the big story as a lot of people would would say was the 50K, which was two 25s combined. The 50K final round is getting a lot of traction on social media for good reason. And that was between uh, Troy Williams Jr. and Jeff Sarah. And I, I know that uh, that you saw that video, uh, really an odd sequence of what all took place there, but uh, a remarkable and incredible moment and racing for for two guys with that kind of talent and that kind of history to to be racing one another for 50 grand but what happened really when the tree came down was was the story
0: yeah without question and i guess like a little bit of backstory first troy and and jeff sarah are very close right and and we're all familiar with what Jeff and his family have been through in the in the recent months with the passing of his of his younger brother Sean. Um, so so with that kind of as the the backdrop, <clears throat> they these two meet up in the final. It's it's Jeff's first big uh, uh, you know appearance since that time. And to your point, Jed, for those for anyone that hasn't you know seen the video or, or read the story, um, Troy stages for the final round. Jeff's pre-stage bumping in, bumping in, bumping in, bumping in and, and gets timed out like legit timed out tree drops red for Jeff and, and Troy's wind light is on tree comes down. And in a, in a, in a reaction that was very reminiscent to, to his brother, Gary Williams, uh, opposite Kevin Brandon at the million dollar race, almost two years ago. And we, we talked about this at length here on the show. There was no hesitation. There was no, Yes, I won. Like, go ahead and let the truck launch. What? There was zero hesitation. Troy rolled through the beams, backed up. You see a motion over to Jeff, like, no, I'm not winning that way. Let's do it again. Let's try it again. And and the pair restages, which in and of itself got a bit awkward. We can talk about that too. But they, they, the the point of the story is they restage and run the race and, and Troy wins, you know, straight up to, to win that 50 grander and just we can talk about the the sportsmanship aspect of this. We talked about this a little bit off air. What I think is most impressive on, on Troy's end is exactly what I said about Gary Williams doing this in the same truck, by the way, opposite Kevin Brannon at the million, is forget the sportsmanship angle of it. Like, I think a lot of us would think after the fact, hey, I don't really want to win that way. Like Let's do that differently to what was most impressive for both of them in both instances is the presence of mind to immediately without hesitation go no no not like that that's not the way this is going down let's back this up and do it right and i just i would speaking for myself i don't know that i would have the presence of mind to do that i think i would probably let go and let it hit the tires and maybe 60 feet out maybe 330 feet out i'm like oh man that's not that's not how we do it but at that point it's too late it's over the only way to actually you know, rerun, so to speak, that race is to do it exactly the way that they did it. And I, I don't think we could give them enough credit because, regardless of intention, there's not many of us that would have the presence of mind to say immediately, "Nope, not like that." Let's let's back this up and do it right.
1: I don't think that I would uh, be able to process it that quickly, Luke. I do think that I would be half track before I even realized what happened and, like, oh man, that's I hate that. But yeah, you know, hey just want a 50 grander. So I'll be okay. Uh, but Troy, obviously with the history that he's had and what he's accomplished in the sport and Jeff as well, both of them have accomplished a ton, way more than, than most will ever even dream of doing, uh, to process that like Troy did that fast and say, nah, let's, let's back this up and do it again. I, it's truly incredible. I, I texted him and congratulated him on the win and, um, told him, you know, it was, it was sportsmanship in class, at, at an extremely high level, like it's unmatched except for what Gary did at the million two years ago, both very, very similar instances uh, and, and tremendous sportsmanship with, between the both of them. But I guess to me, the, the mad respect was for how he processed it so quickly and, and then, you know, backed up and gave him an opportunity. Not only that, Luke, he was perfect day at eight. He, he lets go perfect after Jeff, Sarah, obviously Jeff is a, is a calm, cool customer, but by the way he staged on the restart, it looked like he was a little rattled. Um, I, that's easy for me to say. I don't know that that's a fact, but it was very odd the way he staged so quickly and the tree probably wasn't even reset yet. So that took a minute. And then Troy was, you know, able to get in once the, the tree was set and ready. Uh, Jeff sat there for quite a while waiting on him. So just the whole sequence like, you know, this is weird and unprecedented for the most part. It's a huge stage and Troy, let's go perfect and then goes down, sets it down to dead eight and uh, Jeff, Sarah's 10 and uh, takes a little too much. Obviously, Troy fed him a, a fair amount there uh, and, and Jeff broke it out. So i, saw I guess then it
0: looked like it had a little radio wobble down there yeah
1: yeah he, uh, he went 572 i think at 112. so yeah that truck probably runs 121 on the rug so i, I would don't say
0: know. It, it's probably geared you know what i mean that 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 might have been all he had
1: yeah it might have had a 650 gear in it and it was it had <laughs> peaked at half track but uh, nonetheless uh, you know really good driving end-to-end on his part after all that he still does what troy williams jr does uh, really just an incredible moment and certainly one that he can be super proud of from all aspects, the sportsmanship of it, the the accomplishment of winning the 50 grander over one of the best racers to ever suit up, and the way he executed on the racetrack after all of that went on, uh, really, really impressive and, and Troy deserves a lot of credit for that entire sequence, uh, or series of events.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because once we remove ourselves from the, the sportsmanship aspect, the presence of mind aspect, everything that, that we talked about that, that rightfully Troy should get incredible credit for like once they decided to, to prestage and run that back, it got super awkward. Like it was a very yes. odd sequence in that my impression similar to yours, like, I feel like, Troy and Jeff were on the same page. I'm not 100% sure that that the starting line and tower staff could respond quickly enough to completely get on the same page. You know, I mean it was hey back up we're going to do this again and 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 they're rolling in, right? And so as they did um, they they both pre-staged and Jeff almost immediately rolled in and staged like kind of uncharacteristically and maybe I should give Jeff Sarah enough credit to say like okay like you, you know he he's Troy's usually quick to stage, right? So maybe Jeff's playing a little bit of mind game there. In reality, I, I think it's kind of what you said. I, I feel like Jeff was almost half embarrassed by getting auto-started and was like, let's just get this in and get it done, right? Uncharacteristic. So he stages really quickly. And then at some point, Troy realizes, like, hey, the, the scoreboards haven't reset, like that the, they are not ready for us to stage. So if you're just watching the video, you you watch the whole sequence in full and Jeff Sarah gets timed out after, you know, seven and a half seconds. And then the second time around, there's three bulbs on for at least 12, 15 seconds before Troy gets in. You think, why did he get auto started? Well, as it was playing out, like he saw again, presence of mind hey, the scoreboards haven't reset. Like they're not ready for stage, blue lights not on, or whatever the case may be. And as soon as that resets, he goes ahead and gets in. Well, at that point, Jeff Sarah's been sitting there staged. Like I I assume he realizes what's going on, but it's a lot to process in the moment. And I'm watching this transpire and I'm thinking, there is no way either of them make a good run. This is a mess. And Jeff's 10, Troy's perfect. <laughs> Troy drops to dead. Like it it was just one of those, it speaks to the the professionalism and the talent in those two lanes at that given time. Like there's, I, I don't think there's many racers that would put up a representative run at that point, and those two didn't.
1: Yeah, very good point. Just the, the entire uh, series of events and, and to for both of them to go out and execute in the end to to get a, a true winner of the race. You know, it was a it was a good, fair, solid race. And Troy got the win uh, with, with his excellent execution. Um, just a, a really huge moment. And uh, again, congrats to t to Rock for accomplishing what he did. You know, Luke, that was that was awesome but it was also just a little bit different because Jeff Sarah was there in a door car. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't get in the, the short cars with doors very often. He has done quite a bit of that with success over the years, but, uh, in the family door car, um, out there competing and making it to a final round for 50 K, uh, good for him. You know, obviously the uh, very untimely and tragic loss of, uh, of his brother, Sean has, uh, has left its mark on him and his family, and um, I can only imagine, you know, what it takes to to suit up and get back out there, knowing that you're typically spending that time with the with one, the one you lost, and he's not there. Um, it has to be an extremely emotional time for him. Uh, I know, having talked to Jeff a little bit, it is emotional. He's he's still searching for, uh, you know, some normalcy in his life, uh, but making 50 grand final rounds uh, certainly can help bring some of that normalcy back because that's what he does. But uh, doing it in the door car and on that stage, uh, he should be commended for that. That's uh, that again, just as a testament to his talent and, and what he is uh, able to, to fight through right now to, to go out and, and do what he and his brother love to do together.
0: Yeah, I was really happy to see Jeff in that final. And and I think it's one that, uh, you know, we we see uh, two months ago, we see Jeff Sarah in another final and don't bat an eye. This one obviously meant a little bit more. Um, Really cool stuff. Other winners from the weekend uh, up at Killcare. Steve Collier started the day off, uh, started the weekend off. $10,000 win off the bottom. My Mm -hmm. man. Yeah. How how about Collier? Like he's one of those guys that the, the no box crowd certainly is aware of his talents. Like I watched that dude make runs and, and I'm surprised he doesn't win more. Like that dude is nasty.
1: He does win a ton, Luke. I don't, I think that uh, Steve has a tendency to just go where he feels like he's going to enjoy himself the most. I don't, he doesn't chase the money per se. Um, he has uh, recently um, left his normal nine to five and uh, is, basically racing for a living right now. So I think we're going to see Steve, uh, go out and chase these, these bigger events a little bit more, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, unbelievable talent. He is, uh, he is one of those guys that just nothing rattles him. He definitely owns whatever few mistakes he makes he'll just flat tell you he don't make excuses yeah I just flat messed that up and should have done this or should have done that which I have a ton of respect for because he's a winner and and sometimes winners can tell you why they didn't win and it can sound like anybody's fault but their own Steve owns everything and just when something we had a a rough moment at uh, at our Labor Day event last year um the you know just a time and system glitch and and something messed up and he was um as calm and cool about it as you can possibly be and it forced a rerun and i i've never never seen a guy just handle himself the way steve does in huge moments so calm and cool and all that just transfers to the racetrack and he does what he does and big win for him huge deal for Brandon Taylor. I think Brandon was there racing the, the Bloomfields equipment. Um, obviously with the event being in Ohio, I think he just rode up and raced some of their stuff. Uh, Brandon made that payoff early.
0: Where's Where's Brandon Taylor from?
1: Oh, he's from Alabama. Luke. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't want to mention that because he run it up, but, um, we'll still, we'll still make sure everybody knows Alabama has got the best racers. I mean, that was in Ohio. So the chance of an Ohio winner uh, should have increased there. And it did, but I mean, he was probably the only guy there from Alabama and just practically, you know, dominated that first team. <laughs> grand, <so.
0: laughs> Good I mean, for me I'll circle back on Steve Collier, also from Ohio. It goes, uh, it goes uh, against my religion to some extent to sing the praises of, of an oh, Ohio, yeah. racer, but it hurts. With Collier, like, I don't, I don't want to, bestow this type of of pressure on, on anyone, because it's, it's unfair to compare anyone to, to Nick Hastings. Like you've said yourself, the best bottom ball bracer ever, not currently ever. Right. And, and it's probably not close. Collier's got a lot of those qualities, like watching him reminds me of watching Nick. Uh, Again, like I don't want to hold him to that standard, but I'm really excited to hear that he's going to be on the road a little bit more and showcasing his talents because my guess is that we're going to be talking a lot more about Steve Collier in the months and, and weeks to come.
1: Yeah, I would say that's a, an accurate prediction. Um, that that crystal ball is as clear as it can be. There's no doubt Steve's going to get his share. And I look forward to that. I like to see that guy win. He's just a, an incredible guy on and off the track. And, um, you know, he was he was surrounded by Ohio winners. I mean, Dave Conley, although he lives in Florida, we know Dave's from Ohio. Ohio
0: can't claim him. Come on.
1: Yeah, he's Ohio and and uh, or whatever they say. And you know, of course, the next winner on the list, that madass, Matt, Matt Datus. Luke, it's every week. It's every race he goes to. This cat finds the winner circle. Now, this granted, this was a five thousand dollars gamblers' race win. None of that matters. It's just hard to win that as it is the hundred and vice versa. You know, you just got to hold it together and get your win wherever you can. And the money's the money, but it's every freaking week. Matt that is is just standing in the winner's circle, whether it's a huge win, a small win, a big runner up, whatever it is, he is unbelievable and really happy for him. Talk about guys that are just cool on and off the racetrack. Matt Daddis is one of those guys just, he's enjoying himself, man, out there turning on wind lights and you can't, you can't dislike seeing Matt Daddis win.
0: Matt of superlatives. He doesn't let us talk about one weekend without bringing his name up. It's, it's like you said, it's every week.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know what superlatives are, but I'm out of words to describe what he's, uh, what he's doing. I can tell you that. <laughs> and then uh, of course there was another 25 grander. Uh, on the weekend, Luke, and Devin O'Brien got the the win over Eric Bauman, and I, I think Eric is uh, maybe a Florida guy that moved to Ohio, so there's a lot of Florida, Ohio stuff going on here, and uh, I, I just appreciate Brandon Taylor for breaking it up and, and going straight, Roanoke Oak Mafia on them, um, and coming up with a 10 grand runner-up, but big deal there, 25 grand is a huge race, and Devin and and Eric uh, making that final round with Eric, you know, with uh, Devin, excuse me, getting the win, huge deal for those guys. So congrats to them. Just a uh, little like a great event. Luke, as you said, there was uh, there were some weather challenges, but the guys got creative in the scheduling, got it all in. And uh, from what I've heard for the most part, everybody was really happy. So another great TV promotions event where those guys pulled off exactly what they said they would do and then some. So congrats to uh, Tyler Bohannon and Brian Whitworth as well. Uh, another strong showing from them
0: why would anyone leave the state of Florida to live in Ohio
1: I think I could be wrong but I think I remember the story and I think it was college I think they they picked a college up that way or maybe a career uh, move after college but I can't remember the whole story but I think I got that right I think Eric and his brother moved from Florida up there but I could have totally botched that, you know, that would probably be the first time that's ever happened on the show. Um, but uh, if so. <laughs> first
0: time first time in history. It's episode yeah. 288, first time we got something wrong. Yeah, if so, I will, <laughs> I'll clean that up next week. <laughs> uh, we said it was a big dollar bracket weekend, very little NHRA talk, but I will turn the page just a little bit of uh, NHRA results from the weekend. Division one headed to ATCO New Jersey for the Lucas Oil Series. And big news, Big Jed. Frankie Aragona's is back.
1: Frankie, he is back. That's uh, that's great news, uh, I guess, uh, based on what I'm seeing here, because I didn't look at results. I'm guessing Frank won comp eliminator. Luke.
0: Frankie won comp eliminator. Uh, obviously, been through his share of, of health battles early in the season. Uh, is is seemingly on the mend, which is great news. And, and he's already put together a pretty tremendous season in comp eliminator. I think he'd been to three finals. He just hadn't broken through at 1-1. Um, this was his 1st Wally post post-cancer surgery, right? So that had to feel really special and and like sneaky all of a sudden. We talked about how wide open competition eliminator is uh, a couple of weeks ago this season and how rare that is for that category to be this deep in the year and and any one of a dozen or more competitors could emerge as, as a title contender or, or ultimately champion. Uh, wouldn't it be ironic if in a year like that, It was Frank Aragona that won the championship because if you said, hey, pick one guy to win the competition Eliminator World Championship, it'd it'd probably be Frank, right? It would obviously mean a whole lot more in 2020, 2022 than than in any previous year for the reasons that I just just, uh, suggested. But yeah, Frankie, all of a sudden, he's got a shot. Frankie's back.
1: So Kevin McKenna's pick is uh is looking pretty decent right here what you're it, trying Kevin. to tell me I, I don't know if he was going to mention that or not but that's what it looks like
0: God. so i we a little behind the curtain right for each of these shows we've got a, a google doc that that you know kind of hits the bullet points of what we need to talk about what, what we want to bring up and at the bottom of each google doc i, I keep copy pasting the the draft that Kevin McKenna and I did a couple of months back, mid season draft. And for those of you that listen, that was a horrendous episode, by the way, it was really difficult to listen to. We're going to have to do that a little bit better in the future. Like the structure was just not, not great podcasting, but I wasted two draft picks early on to pick two comp eliminator racers, because I thought at that time they were the only two with the legitimate shot to win the championship. And then, like, with one of his last picks, Kevin just kind of haphazardly, like, ah, I'll just take a flyer on Frank Erickson. <laughs> Damn
1: it, Kevin. Damn it. It's starting to, to look like that could happen. So yeah. that K-Mac, man, he, that dude's just, he's really good at this.
0: He ain't dumb. He ain't Luke,
1: dumb. Super Street was, uh, was, speaking of 50 Granders. No, yeah. they did not. They did not pay fifty grand in Super Street, nor will they ever. But um, a recent fifty grand winner from the uh, in a, from the uh, Harrington race at uh, at Numidia is Kyle Bigley, and Kyle takes the uh, takes the old man's Firebird, which is pretty badass ride by the way. Takes that and gets to win in Super Street. Really cool deal for Kyle. Um, just you know, that might not mean much to a lot of people, but let's just run this back a, a, just a tick Kyle just wins 50 grand where it's a no split final. His Legit, opponent lays, yeah. yeah. His opponent lays down eight thou total. And that does not turn on the wind light because Kyle's five thou is more gooder than eight thou. And that's in a big time bracket race in a dragster, uh, which has its own challenges and talented fields. You know, that's hard because everybody's letting go good and going dead on. And then he, comes out basically two weeks later I guess it is and uh, and takes the 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 pro tree and the the family firebird and gets a super street win where uh, there was plenty of talent there as well I didn't see the box score but I did see the final round I think he was 008 and uh, dropped his opponent off down there to to go a little less under than his opponent um you know, shows a lot of talent on his part, Kyle, uh, continuing to to win. And I, I think winning breeds winning and uh, certainly gives you a lot of confidence no matter what class you're running. But it just shows a lot of talent when you when you let go of the top bulb and and go, you know, whatever, 460 and win. And then you let go on the pro tree and throttle stop it to 1090 and win and a little bit of everything in between. Good for Kyle. Uh, he and the old man are, are loving life right now, doing very well.
0: Bigger story, Big Jed, that Kyle Bigley won Super Street at ATCO or that Keith Mayers didn't?
1: Yeah, I'd have to say at this time it's that Keith Mayers didn't because uh, I think Keith has obviously gotten used to to collecting that final round trophy in Super Street. But uh, Kyle wasn't having any of that this particular weekend. Maybe Keith to get back on the horse really soon.
0: Keith Myers, has, his hot streak has cooled slightly um, since beginning the season on just an unprecedented heater. Was he in five consecutive Super Street final rounds or something like that? Um, so, so that had to come to an end sooner or later and maybe big jet. I didn't bring this up, uh, a couple of weeks ago, following the, the doubleheader at Topeka. We might've even been a bit premature in crowning Keith Myers with the mythical super street world championship. Have you paid any attention to what Dan Bain has done in super street this year? I have
1: not, but I get the feeling you're about to tell me, which is going to be great.
0: Dan Bain has been to three divisional finals. He nearly ran the table in Phoenix earlier in the year. We talked about that a little bit at the time. Won the first event, runner up the second. Added another win at Topeka. So, if we were keeping national points for Super Street, and we should be, Dan Bain might might be giving Keith Mayers a run for his money. One other notable win from Atco, uh, another previous prior world champion, Mr. Al Kenny, who owns a a national or a national championship wally from the Super Comp class. He got the win in top dragster over the weekend. And now he's kind of he kind of picked up where Keith Myers left off. Uh, Al Kenny, much the opposite of Meyers, started the season um w- without making much noise at all. Of recent, his last three events, three finals. He won the Norwalk national event, he was runner-up at the Numidia points meet. Now he wins at Co. And all of a sudden, in a in a relatively wide open top dragster field at this point in the season, Al Kenny puts his hat in the ring for a potential second national championship.
1: Well, again, a tough racer for quite a long time. And uh, Al knows his way to the winner's circle. So uh, it looks like his uh, recent performance is going to put him in position to at least make a run at it. Luke. So, it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out, but uh, pretty much no uh, impactful news on the NHRA side from a results standpoint to, to, basically shake things up just yet but some guys that were putting them in putting themselves in position to to make a charge um, and a national event on the horizon in topeka by the way is that uh, will uh, team mogaki uh be uh be heading to topeka
0: for that national are still there never left awesome I okay had it back this week no uh another light week really on the docket uh, i don't know that we'll have any any huge Uh, changes in championship chases this weekend. There's no divisional events. There is the national event in Topeka fairly light weekend on the big dollar bracket tour as well. A couple big, uh, bottom bulb events. We got, uh, door wars, footbreak experience out at MIR. We've got the no box hoot nanny at dragway 42. Um, but yeah, like I, I guess it's kind of the dog days of summer and following weekend where we had multiple big dollar bracket races this weekend, I don't know, next week show sure, we we might be struggling for content. We, we, which sometimes that makes for the most fun episodes, Big Jim.
1: how are we going to struggle for content? Look, there's a couple of great uh, no box races, so uh, bottom bulb, I mean bottom bulb racers are you know they they we can talk about them for a long time because uh, they're they are what's keeping the sport alive. so. Um, we'll be fine and the, the door wars a foot experience uh you know andy anderson and shane swigert those guys uh put on a great race i think that's a 10 20 and 10 for the for the foot guys so that's uh that's going to be awesome to talk about i'm super excited to see how that event turns out from uh from a crowd size standpoint and certainly the results uh, already have me pretty jacked up can't wait to see who gets the who gets the wind lights the final wind lights there at uh, at maryland international raceway and then the the no box hootenanny you know the the yeagers um those guys <laughs> are really starting to to come into their own they they put on a great practice tree race for quite some time now they're getting on the track with their events and it looks like they're doing a really really good job not only from a promotion standpoint but you know, uh, facilitating and operating the race once the racers show up. Uh, so I'm really happy those guys are getting some traction and we've worked with them. They they've given away quite a few entries, uh, to our events over the years, Worked closely with that, that group and, uh, can't wait to see how this hootenanny turns out for them. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be really good. So some good events on, uh, the horizon this week and, uh, give us a little bit of stuff to talk about. And who knows? Oak, there might be, a, you know, some drama or something that we can throw in next week's show. I'm sure something will happen, so it's going to be awesome. But that wraps this one up. Fairly short show, but um, it was good stuff. It was it was uh, full of results and big winners and stories. So had a good time, and uh, we hope you had a good time listening. And you know, if you want to chime in about something you heard on the show uh, that you like, didn't like, whatever the case may be. There's a place for you to do that. It's called the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can go right there and talk to us. You can do it publicly for everybody to see, or you can do it privately through private message, and producer Mark will intercept that baby and run it back and, and let us know what uh, what you had to say. But either way, we'd love to hear from you about any of the subjects on this show or any other show that you were listening to that uh, that you might have some some uh, chime in in you that you want to discuss with us luke it's shout time
0: shouts to bone shouts to bright shouts to bone bright mike yes mike bone bright shouts to dry hops shouts to trivia time shouts to matt driscoll and mid michigan motorplex shouts to 29 years of the world super pro challenge and 51 years of the Nightfire nationals in fact this is just reminiscent so our our local Our local track announcer here at at the famed I 57 drag strip, he gets excited about things like this. So, as an example, when my wife with her 460 dragster runs another four second dragster, Mark, our announcer, he gets fired up. And it is not two dragsters in a time trial, it is a 300 mile an hour combined pass because you've got Mark so good. 150 mile per hour dragster side by side so yes. if you combine these two prestigious events you got 80 consecutive years of big dollar bracket racing <laughs> pretty impressive stuff shouts to mama Win a note box that does not happen pretty oh, cool. Go. and then just on a side i'm gonna shout out tyler weed so we don't spend much time talking about junior dragster racing we won't but i'm in it like i'm living it right some of these junior kids are unreal so it was uh, close to a year ago. I talked a little bit about Tyler's younger brother, Carson, and just wax poetic because I said, this kid's the next Peter Biondo. Well, he gets it honest. His older brother's really good too. Tyler has has won a bunch. He was Western Conference final champion a year ago. Um, like no stranger to the winner's circle. But this kid, the last three weeks, you talk about a heater. Like this puts Keith Mayers to shame, Big Jed. My man, Tyler, Weed, 13 years old. Since he left, Bristol, the Eastern Conference Finals, what, three weeks ago, where he didn't win. And that obviously pissed him off. (laughs) Because in the three weeks of racing since, my man has won six events, doubled up every weekend. Best I could figure in talking with Tyler and his parents uh, after his double up win at Cordova over the weekend. Best we could come up with since leaving Bristol, my man is 30 and one. On the racetrack, one loss in three weeks wow. since six event wins, and the nature in which he went about it. So the 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 one the second race that he won in Cordova is uh, they call it sportsman, like it's an all run, and and Tyler is still in an eight ninety car, so he's getting chased quite a bit. You know, running faster cars and and older kids, right? <laughs> Tyler was twenty six in the final, which was his worst slide of the event, of that that class. You know, seven eight rounds, whatever it was. It wasn't just his worst light. Like it completely ruined his average. My man was five or better four consecutive rounds. Holy cow. Yeah. That's talent. It's impressive stuff at any age, much less 13. So anyway, junior dragster bit for you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Definitely sounds like Tyler weed is smoking the competition. Luke, uh, he is, (laughs) he is lighting them up for sure. And he's definitely on a roll. So good for Tyler. Tyler, keep it going, my man. Great job by you. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see plenty more from you, Kid with that kind of talent. We'll, uh, we'll have a lot of success in our sport. Um, guys, if you'd like to tweet, and by God, I am a tweeter from way back. I've, I've sent three or four this year alone. So if you like to do that like I do, tweet us. We're right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Love to hear from you early and often there on the Twitter. And uh, please reach out to us if you if you like to communicate that way. That wraps us up. Thank you for tuning in to, to this week's episode. Thanks to our sponsors for everything they do for us. Please use them every opportunity you get. And, uh, and tune in next week because we look forward talking to to you real soon about more Sportsman Drag racing.
0: Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.